0: When we were in India, at one stage, Jaden was about 10 months old, I think, round about there. Darren would have been about two years, 10 months old. And in summertime, we used to have this marble floor in our house, and it was the coolest place in our house in summer in, in India. India used to get up to minus, uh, plus, minus. <laughs> that's, that's coming, used to get up to plus... 46, 47 in, in summertime, we had a couple of times where it was over 50, and the coolest place to put Jaden on those days was lying on the marble floor, because marble's cool, right? And so we'd put him on the floor, and one day Darren was, we had some music on, and Darren was dancing around, uh, and Lynn and I were doing something, and the next minute we just heard this like whimperish cry from Jaden, like, Eah! and we were like... Well, that's weird. He was calm just now, and we'd looked around, and he seemed to be fine, and Darren kind of looked a little bit puzzled, and uh, we said, Darren, did you do anything to Jaden? And I can't remember his exact response. He might have said I stood on his hand or something like that. But by that time, Jaden had stopped crying, and he was, he was fine, and just everything went on. We saw a little bit of a red mark on his forehead, but weren't too conf- you know, concerned about that. He was good, good, all good. Well, the next morning we woke up and uh, we suddenly didn't have a baby anymore. We had an alien. He had this bulge off the back of his head here. He looked like Conehead, the Barbarian. Just had this massive, squishy bulge off the back of Jaden's head here. I tell you what. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you, but. We sprang into action as parents. We were suddenly like, what the hang is gone on here? Raced off to the hospital, got to see a neurosur- neuro dude, I don't know, <laughs> whatever he is. And, and, um, and he looked at Jaden and was like, you know, we were thinking, man, this, you know, is he going to be fine? I mean, it's frightening, honestly, as a parent, if something happens to a head, It's frightening, right? And uh, the guy was amazing. One of the things in India was such amazing physicians and doctors. And after a little while, he came out to us and he said, look, I can put him through a CAT scan, but but actually his skull has been broken. His skull has been cracked. And obviously what happened is obviously Darren (laughs) uh, (laughs) had jumped on his head. And his head had obviously just been slightly off the floor and hit the marble. And actually, he said, feel here. Yeah. And we could actually feel the skull had been pushed in. And he said, nice, <laughs> Darren. And the doc said to us, look, has he been acting any different? Has he vomited? And we said, no, he's been the same kid that he always is. So he said, look, I'm, I don't like putting young kids through CT scans. It's actually going to be fine. I want to set your mind at rest. The evidence there on the outside, that is just fluid, that the body's building up to protect the break. And the bone, the only bone in the body that heals as though it's never, ever been broken is your skull. Useless fact for anybody who wanted to know that. But he said it will push out. And it was amazing. Over the next couple of weeks, we saw the skull push back out until you could feel nothing and the bulge went away. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But suddenly, it made me think again as I was preparing for this message that I'm preaching this morning about how things often happen on the inside of our lives, which God evidences on the outside. And we have a choice to ignore those things or we have a choice to respond to those things. And if you've ever noticed that in your spiritual walk with Jesus that God does things on, our, on the inside of us and sometimes he changes circumstances and sometimes he leads us into convictions based on what he's doing on the inside and that needs to evidence on the outside for us to take action. And this morning, uh, Mark, before he went away, had asked me to preach this morning and kind of talk around us going to Edmonton to plan a church, which I'm sure most of you know that by now. But I didn't want to let you off so lightly because this morning, it's not really just about us going to plan a church, but I want to speak this morning about the mission of being supernaturally ordinary. Do you know that that's what God's called us to church? So it's not a time for complacency. It's not a time for us to sit and be people that coast without conviction. It's a time for us to be people that are ordinary, but supernaturally under the power of God. And under the anointing of God. I love that announcement from Ken. Anointing for a purpose. It's what he said in that equip announcement. And I'm gonna speak about us going to Edmonton and I'm gonna speak about a couple of the things that in our hearts have become, there's changes on the inside which are now evidencing on the outside which is why we're moving but it starts with conviction. And so what I'm wanting to share is a couple of, not thoughts, but a couple of convictions over us as a family. And I'm trusting that you don't zone out and go, well, that's great because that's for you going to Edmonton. But this morning, the convictions are for each one of us because we all called on a journey of being supernaturally ordinary for God. You might go, I don't wanna be ordinary. I tell you what, better be ordinary and supernaturally anointed to do that than to be extraordinary and doing it all in your own strength. Because we've got too many people like that in the world. Too many believers. Too many people that proclaim to lead churches. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, guys, but if we do anything in our own strength in this next season, and it's not through conviction, and it's not through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see things fall and fail, and we're not going to make an impact. God's called us to make an impact. So I'm trusting that these convictions will stir each and every one of us to a greater degree of intentionality in seeking not only to be on mission for Jesus, but to be on mission with Jesus by being supernaturally ordinary. First scripture I just wanna look at and I wanna read is from Acts 17 verse 26. And it says this, from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. The ESV version says, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. I wanna elaborate a little bit on the fact that are found in the scripture and two things that are often, I think, misquoted out of the scripture. Mark can correct me afterwards. He normally does on Tuesday, so I get the whip. But that's all good. But for me, there's two things that we often look at this incorrectly. We think this is just about God calling us physically and saying, well, yes, God puts you in Nanaimo for this period. And then he's going to move us to Edmonton for that period. And also, the focus is individual most of the time. But if you look at the scripture, this was a reference to whole nations. So it's a reference to whole nations and more than just about positioning in the natural, it's about two incredible attributes of God, the supremacy and the sovereignty of God. For me, that's the overriding thing. If you wanna know what those two words mean, supreme, he is large. Sovereign, he is in charge. That's what that means, large and in charge. And this scripture really is about us coming unto a realization and a, and a re-envisioning in our hearts and minds that God is a large and in charge God over our lives. He should be supremely sovereign and he should be supreme in his nature and his character and his doings in our lives. But you, although it's speaking about whole nations, we would be foolish to not see the correlation between. The fact that he's not only talking about nations, but he's talking about individuals. You see it in scripture. Joseph, one of 12 sons. What does he do? We know the story of Joseph. He ends up as arrogant as he is and as failed as he is, recognizing the supremacy and sovereignty of God in his life. And he becomes the savior of nations by providing through a drought. We see David, a shepherd boy, who's nothing but a shepherd boy in the fields, yet knows the call in his life, and he knows the God that he serves, who is supreme and sovereign over his life. And he ends up leading a nation into victory under the banner of the Lord Jesus, under the banner of God. We see Samuel, this little boy that was actually born out of a plea from a mother saying, God, if you just give me a son, I'll, I'll lend him to you for forever, he can be yours, but I, I want a son, and he's born and out of that place of kind of like a plea from a mother, he becomes a prophet that shapes a nation. Individuals that through the sovereignty and supremacy of God, making that the conviction in their heart become nation changers. Don't cut out yourself right now, guys and girls. I'm not meant to be a nation changer. God even wants you to be a single neighbour changer, a city changer, a workplace changer. See, God's sovereignty over nations is an extension of his sovereignty over individuals. And if you actually read verse 27 and 28 of that passage, it goes on to say this. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. Isn't that an amazing scripture? I think we get that wrong sometimes. How many of us talk about, Lord, you live in me? And we know that that's the truth. God lives in us by His Holy Spirit. But the truth, church, the bigness of God and who He is should bring us to the realization that without Him we are finished. In Him we live. Not you live in me, but more importantly, in you I live and I breathe and I move and I do and I act. And I will according to your purposes, not my purposes. So for me, there is a geographical component for sure in the scripture that we've just read about he determines the exact places we should live. But more important, there's the supreme and sovereignty of God component, which is overriding. And church, I wanna say God wants to move us. God wants to move each of us. I keep on getting back to this, this word and I'm gonna repeat it through this Preach this morning. This is a season of conviction. I trust for you that you allow God to convict you in the season for what he's got ahead because time is short. Part of what we're going uh, to Edmonton for, as I said, these are not thoughts for us, but these are convictions. Time is short. And so when I'm thinking of this, God wants to move us maybe physically, That's happening in our case to Edmonton, but perhaps in some of our cases, more importantly, he wants to move us emotionally. Maybe he wants to move us mentally or move us spiritually into a condition of choosing the sovereignty and supremacy of God as the highest place in our lives, and the highest thought in our lives. I'm sure you've heard from time to time on the news and on TV about tragic events where some, something's happened to someone and they often use this quote line. They say, man, he was just obviously in the wrong place the wrong time. Have you heard that? And we can live like that if we don't determine the season that God has us in. God has not destined us to live in the wrong place and the wrong time. And again, I'm not talking only physically, I'm talking about where are we in Christ this morning? Where are you in God? What are the convictions that you know the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart and prompting you in this season? And maybe we're ignoring it and we're just saying, you know what, Ever wrong place, wrong time. And God's saying, no, right place, right time to make a change. God prompts us to move on, be it physically or for His purposes, physically for His purposes or mentally or emotionally or spiritually in our life into a deeper level of being supernaturally ordering for Him, then we better not wait until through our lifestyle and attitude, it becomes evident that we are in the wrong place at the wrong time. See, that's been a conviction for me, church, and for us as a family, as we've moved through seasons in our lives. And many of you know our stories. Many of you know that we've spent time in South Africa, spent time in India, spent time back in South Africa, in, here in Nanaimo, going to Edmonton. In each of those seasons, my desperate plea has been this, God, don't allow me to settle into a place of not hearing and being obedient to your Holy Spirit. We're quite happy to take God's conviction over our lives sometimes with the nudges that we're comfortable with, but sometimes God wants to bring changes in our lives that are uncomfortable. Where your testimony and your life is not highlighting the supernatural sovereignty and supremacy of God, it becomes a self indulgent session. Sometimes a self-indulgent moan session. <laughs> I'm speaking over myself over seasons, I know. Been in times where I've gone, woe is me, Lord. And I've seen lack of provision, lack of grace, lack of what I've deemed to be circumstances. And all that has led me to do, because I've taken my eyes off Jesus, is to, to become somebody who is world-conforming, ordinary. And God hasn't called us to be world-conforming, ordinary. He's called us to be supernaturally ordinary. <laughs> and the only difference between those two things is Jesus and my focus and my, my fixing my eyes on Him. If we do not hear God, we dare not move. But if we do hear God, we dare not stay. <laughs> and if we have heard God, we need not fear. Church, over your life, just where you are, just, just for a moment, I just feel like there's a Holy Spirit moment just right now. Just think spiritually. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a spiritual. Maybe it's a mental thing. I feel like God's saying over some people right now, he wants to break off shackles. It's so a moving out of the ordinary into the supernatural ordinary. If God says move, you dare not stay in that place. If God says move, you need not fear. Whenever God gives us a revelation of something, though, church, we can be sure that we'll be tested in that. And That's not a sense to fear. That's a sense to really press into the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need you more than ever before. See, faith is not a product of our circumstances. Circumstances, or rather breakthrough in circumstances, are a product of our faith. How many of you can attest to that? I think if we're honest about that, sometimes we look for circumstances to prop our faith up. And actually, it's the converse around. So many times we've seen God come through for us. And it's been when the circumstances haven't been favorable. But yet God in His faithfulness and His mercy and His grace has come through when our eyes have been fixed on Him. And that builds faith. I want to qualify that statement by saying that there's only one circumstance that should really produce faith in us. And and in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 says it so amazingly. It says, By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah was barren, was able to become a father because he counted him faithful who had made the promise. And the only circumstance that should engender faith in us is the faithfulness of God. <laughs> faithfulness of God, church. When, and this has been such a conviction over our lives as a family, and I'm going to speak about comfort soon in this, but as, where do I stop believing God that this is a season that He's got me and I'm convinced of it in His plans forward? Where do I stop believing that? It's often I stop believing that when I forget the faithfulness of God over my life. And then my trust starts becoming in money, in my home, in my security of my job, in this thing, in my family, in my friendship circles. Maybe even leaning on past successes to prop up my faith. I tell you that will at some point also lead to disappointment. So for us, the first thing that I've just mentioned, going to Edmonton for us is not mostly about planning a church. I want you to hear that this morning. We're not going to do a church. Yes, we will be planning a church, but it's a product of us understanding that there's a call over our lives and that we want to put God supremely and sovereignly in charge of the way forward for our lives. I trust for you this morning that there's a conviction that starts to build about things that God's gonna call you. I tell you, this is a season of conviction, church. I believe God is speeding things up. Jesus is coming soon. And for us as a church, there's a call to be convinced about the things that God is calling us into. Since we've let people know that we're going to Edmonton, moving to Edmonton, Edmonton, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me... (gasps) Why Edmonton? I'd be rich. (laughs) Now, I know that many of you maybe have said it here, so relax, no condemnation. Uh, I'm not going to call you out. (laughs) But what are people saying when they say those two words? Why Edmonton? Well, in a split second, their brains have instantly made a knowledgeable argument (laughs) based on facts that have triggered a comfort response. (laughs) True? Why Edmonton was what came out their mouths, but in their brains, lightning bolts were going off. And in their brains, this is what they were thinking, do you know it's freezing out there? Do you know it's in the middle of nowhere? Do you know how big the flies get? I hope you like mosquitoes. Do you know that it's so flat that if your dog runs away from you, you'll still see it running two days later. <laughs> but you have a beautiful house now. Why go? All your friends are here. Have you seen the hockey team? <laughs> Careful. Careful. <laughs> Hebrews 6, verse 13 to 20 says this For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. I just love that. Don't you love that? There's two scriptures that get me every time. Once in Genesis, where we know the story of creation, and God spoke to the dark, God spoke to the heavens, and light and dark, and he spoke to the earth, and he spoke to. That and the animals came forth, and all this, and the water separated. And then it says, When he made man, he spoke to himself. Just an amazing thought, even there, that the fact that God said, Man, they have to be made in my image. I'm not speaking to anything for this to come out of this. They're going to come out of me. And then this, this one, which is just another one for me when God made a promise to Abraham finding no one greater than himself to swear by, he swore by himself. And thus Abram, having patiently waited, obtained, oh, sorry, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abram, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs (coughs) of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, He guaranteed it it with an oath, the unchangeable character of his purpose, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having been a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Second conviction that has been in our hearts as a family, and I know that it's something over us here at Oceanside as a church I'm trusting for this next season, church is that comfort is this thought. Comfort can lead to complacency, complacency, which in turn will lead to missed opportunities. See, this starts. this passage starts with the promise of salvation, if you read it in the context of what it's saying. But it's not only that. You see, every promise God has for us is guaranteed to us through his trustworthy character. I think sometimes we forget this incredible character of this God that has saved us. The character of God, which is so supremely unchangeable. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you've made promises over your life. He's not changing. He's not changing. Church, and sometimes the world brings against us these bufferings, these things that start to shake our faith in who God is. And I want to say, don't allow circumstances or things to shake your place of understanding, of knowing that the character and the nature of God is unchanging. When we don't pursue the promises over our lives because of giving in to comfort, it leads to complacency. And we miss not only the opportunities of seeing what God will do as we step out in faith like Abraham did, But more importantly, we miss out on the opportunity to see the trustworthy character of God act on our behalf. I tell you, as a family, we've journeyed through different nations and in every one of those nations, we have testimony after testimony of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And sometimes I've sat and I've looked back and I've gone, what happened, God? What if I'd never taken you at face value? What if I've just remained in a place of comfort. And I think of all the missed opportunities and the missed grace of God over my life and the missed favor that I would have missed out and the missed relationships. I tell you, sometimes it's brought me to tears just thinking about how standing in a place of choosing comfort over conviction of God's purposes can lead us to so many missed opportunities in God. In India, we saw miraculous interventions. I can't go through. To, I can't go through all of them, but miraculous interventions. We saw relationships and friendships, which if we had never been obedient to go, we would have never seen. We saw miracles and testimonies. We saw spiritual breakthroughs in people's lives and our lives. We saw physical protection. How about even in the last two months of our planning for Edmonton? God has just been so faithful, church. And Part of what I want to do this morning is just testify to the faithfulness of God. When you step out and you trust his character and you trust his loving nature and his all-encompassed love for you, you need not fear in stepping out. Whether it is to talking to a colleague at work, whether it is talking to your neighbor, whether it is trusting to break open your workplace for Christ, You need not fear. But if you stay in a place of comfort, you do not know what God is going to do in and through you. In the last two months in planning for Edmonton, many of you know we went to Edmonton within ten days, seeing God open schools for our boys miraculously, opening a house for us to purchase miraculously. Having in ten days those things was it was a miracle having to get mortgage, having to get all of that thing and it all done and dusted before we got back. While I'm sitting in Edmonton, I get a phone call on my MS messenger from an unknown number. I think, oh, yeah, we go. One of these jolly advertising things again, you know, pick up the phone. Hello. I hear this East Indian voice on the other side. Russell, it's Gokul. I go, Gokul, Gokul, Gokul. Gokul. In India, a young man young man came to Christ got saved in that church in India we were part of that man's life and he's now phoning saying I see you in Edmonton I'm living in Edmonton God's sovereign church getting a call last week and I'm having a Skype chat this afternoon with a couple I don't know them I don't know who they are but found us on the internet through Facebook knows, well that was one of the reasons, but their aunt is in Cape Town we didn't live near Cape Town 4, 1,400 kilometers away from our home she's heard of us going to come into Edmonton, she had contacted them, South African couple that grew up in the same town as we did lived in the same town as we did never knew them at all he gets hold of me last week. We live in Edmonton. We hear you coming. How can we help? Where are you situated in Edmonton? We hope you're close to us. Well, if we couldn't have been closer if God hadn't. We're on the outskirts of Edmonton, and they live in Spruce Grove, 15 minutes away, which is literally just down the 16A, 15 minutes, and they're at their home. Just supernatural things that God is doing. I tell you, you cannot... You think you have an exciting life, put your hand in the hand of God and allow Him to use you and get out of comfort and trust God to use you in ways that you've never asked or imagined. And guys, I keep on coming back to this thought, but it's nothing to do with us and it's all about Him. See, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6 to 8 says this The Lord our God has said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the low land and in the Negev and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. So this is not a reference to us leaving because we've stayed at this mountain long enough. Please don't interpret it that. That's not why I'm bringing this scripture. But here's the thing. There's a deeper meaning behind the scripture. If you look at what Horeb said to us, God said to us at Horeb, if you look at what Horeb, the name that Horeb is, the name in Deuteronomy used for Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was the place we know where God came and gave Moses the Ten Commandments. If there was any place in the children of Israel's thought processes of where God dwells, that must have been it for that time. Can you believe, can you think of it? This must have been where they were just knowing that God spoke to us. God gave these things to us. The presence of God is here at this mountain would have been perceived by them that this was where the presence of God dwelt. Where we receive instruction, where we received insight, where we received direction. And now suddenly the Lord is saying, at that place, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. See, God's heart for us as his people is to love church as pilgrims passing through the desert, not settlers in the promised land. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. In the promised land, and one day I believe we're gonna be in the promised land in heaven. That's our true promised land, amen. But if we live at the promised in in our circumstances here as the promised land, this happens. We will implement methods, but we will forget the mandate. We will pursue or we can pursue the presence of God but forget the purposes of God. We can stop digging wells and exist by drinking from dams. Whereas in the desert, I don't know if you've ever been in the desert. There's a desert in South Africa called the Kalahari Desert and there's a group of people Bushman folk there, that the, the San tribe that live there, and these guys are incredible. But I'll tell you, one of the things is, in the desert, there is a need to find water. <laughs> Amen. There's a need to find living water. In the desert, there's also a need to bring others to the source of water because you know, if they're not brought to that place of being able to find water in the desert, they will die. There's also a desire in the desert to be led. If you've ever been into a desert, there's no roads. <laughs> you need somebody who knows how to take you through that place. There's a desire to be led when you're in the desert. There's also a dependence on miraculous, the miraculous power of God when we're in the desert, trusting God for a way through. And like Moses, we become desperate for the presence of God. And we say, God, unless your presence goes with me, I will not move. And church, just for me and for our family, we don't want to live as those that are settlers in the promised land. And I know that for this church, the mandate over this church is not to be a church of settlers living in the promised land. God's heart for us as a people is that we pioneers moving through the desert, finding those springs of living water, not living as those that have found great methods of doing stuff, but have forgotten the mandate that God has called us together as a people for. Not living as those that are pursuing the presence of God, but it's just for me, it's for me rather than forgetting the purposes of God, the reason why God gives us presence is for a purpose. And we stop digging wells, and Mike's spoken about this before, and we end up just drinking from dams, stale water. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Church, we're citizens of another kingdom. And I trust this morning that just even just in these three small thoughts, something in your heart breaks open this morning to the possibilities in God as you stretch out your faith with conviction, not Not because of calls, not because of anything else, but because of conviction. Knowing that God has a purpose for each and every one of us in this season. Us for us for the next season, it's going to Edmonton to plan a church. The reason we're planning a church is to know Jesus more for ourselves and to make him known. We're not going to establish a body of people that just get into methods and forget the mandate or seek the presence of God for themselves, but forget the purposes of God. And it starts, as I said at the beginning, there's those corporate, there was a corporate truth over those nations as that word was pro- proclaimed about he determines the exact times, places that we live. But it starts with an individual conviction. And this morning, I just felt God wanted to re- it's the word I want to say. <laughs> it's not a word, but I want to say remission us. <laughs> remission us for the commission. And I, I, I trust that none of you look at Glenn and I and Darren and Jaden and go, guys, awesome, wonderful that you're going, man, so inspiring. I want to say you are in the place of your workplace. You are in the place of wherever you are to be With the same conviction, trusting that God will use you to bring others into that place of living water and finding Jesus at the center of your world. Not comfort, but conviction that Jesus is the center. I felt God just wanted to do a couple of things with us. And I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up just for a moment. But guys, this is a... Uh, I trust this hasn't sounded too heavy this morning, but I felt like God really wanted to say that he wants to break open things in Oceanside Church. And it starts with conviction. And this is not meant to be a heavy. You know, the purposes of God are not heavy. He said, take my yoke upon me, upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I feel like God wanted to just highlight those three things as he's highlighted in our lives, but also in lives of each and every one of us. And I'm gonna ask you to do something this morning and to stand with Glenn and I, not for our journey, but stand with Glenn and I for your journey, for what God has called you. Maybe for a ton of time, you've loved God, maybe you've only been a believer for a short time, maybe you don't even know Jesus today tell you there's an opportunity for you to come to know Jesus today I would love to help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to pray with you and I'll be here afterwards to pray for anybody who wants to do that but maybe for us as a people guys maybe the this understanding of the supremacy and the sovereignty of God has been An understanding that we have when things are going good, but when it's going bad, maybe it's not. Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe it's a thing where sometimes when it's going bad, I suddenly then see the supremacy and sovereignty of God. But when it's going good, I forget about it. I live with a life that has got zero conviction about the purposes of God for my life. I want to challenge you this morning to stand with Glenn and myself and Darren and Jaden. So we trust for the season ahead for us. Here's the first thing. And if this is sung, rung true for you, I'm going to ask you to stand now together with us. God, the supremacy and sovereignty of you needs to be my highest focus. Your supremacy and your sovereignty needs to be my highest focus. Maybe it's been this thing of I've grown comfortable. Guys, that's not comfortable. I'm not talking about God wanting us to be uncomfortable. God does not do that to us. We are not going to Edmonton and dreading the cold. Seriously, when we were in India, we didn't go there and dread the heat. God does not position us anywhere where He doesn't give us grace for, but He will not force you out of your comfort zones of loving your neighbor or even just talking to your friend. And I'm telling you, until we get the conviction that everywhere we are, God wants to pull us out of those comfort restrictions and bring us into life, I tell you what, two things will happen. If you dare to step out today with that, you will be immeasurably more impacted in your life than you've ever believed before. You will experience experiences, get new relationships, build kingdom bridges that will stand for eternity or we can just remain in our little homes, cozy and comfortable. And the last one, that whole thing of, am I prepared to be a pioneer walking through the desert rather than just live as a settler in the promised land? And this really is about the kingship and the lordship of Christ. Christ about hungering and thirsting again about where the spirit of God becomes something that I'm not just relying on for a circumstance but I'm all consumed by the presence of God just close your eyes for a moment church just stand where you are just for a moment like I want to sing over a release over you this morning and over myself. Forget about my voice. I don't have the greatest voice. Forget about anything. Just think of your Father.
1: There's a call. Call. call to be a man and a woman who's led and guided by me. Convicted, convinced of my plans for you. by the power of my spirit I am calling you to supernatural ordinariness where you lay aside circumstance by comfort you lean into me you lean deep into my arms you draw strength from my life you draw strength from my promises which are faithful and true I will never leave you I'll never stop guiding you. I'll never hold back from the purposes I have for you. So run. Right Extravagance of my love for you Don't hold back
0: Just wherever you're standing, guys I just feel like there's a moment for the priesthood here this morning Let's turn around to people around you and maybe just pray for each other. Pray for each other, guys. Just, this is not a fancy moment time. This is just a time of doing business with God and just saying, God, please, I'm humbling myself. Pray for each other for strength and for conviction and for purpose. Let's do that for a moment. Just wherever you are standing, just with the people that are next to you, with the people around you. Pray for, for us as a church, for each one of us, that God would use us, not to build up the name of Oceanside, but to build up the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to see His purpose fulfilled in your life, in the life of the city, in the life of your work, in the life of the nation. Let's do that now, wherever you stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank
1: you Father, thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace.